welcome to Ladies Get Action. The podcast where two best friends talk about getting action. Movies. This is Rebecca Ringley. This is Rin Olsen. And this week we watched Lethal Weapon, uh, the original Lethal Weapon from, what was it, like 80-something? Might be 87. With Mel Gibson, prior to a lot of his craziness later, um, and Donald Glover. And Gary Busey. And Gary Busey, also prior to quite a bit of his shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. Rebecca and I had watched this movie for our second iteration of this podcast, but we decided it was time to return to this just because there were so many movies that we watched for this podcast that we were like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of Lethal Weapon. Or like, this was definitely inspired by Lethal Weapon. So it was really cool to return to it. Also, I had forgotten most of the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember this movie and the other Lethal Weapon films we watched so fondly. So I'm really excited that we're getting back into this series and into this friendship. One of the best film uh, buddy cop friendships there are, possibly. Agreed. And same. I also really liked this movie. I remember really liking it. But rewatching it was such a treat because then I could actually notice like, oh, my God, the script is so tight. And like, yeah, the friendship between Riggs and Murtaugh is just so endearing. And Murtaugh's family scenes are oh, just I know. my favorite. Well, before we get too deep into it, how is your week going? How have you been? We've had uh, holidays and all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I had a great deal of fun on New Year's Eve and I'm sort of like recovering from that. I definitely told you this multiple times. I told all of my friends and I told, texted my mom and I said, you know what? I, my two New Year's things are, I don't want to be hungover and I don't want to be up past like midnight. I'm going to be <laughs> home in bed at 10. You told your mom and, that? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And she sort of smiled and said, okay, Rin. That's funny. Yeah, it is funny because she was right. And I was definitely up past midnight and I am definitely hungover, but it was so worth it. Did your mom get mad when you were like out late or did she text you like when are you coming home or anything? No, they they were all asleep. Oh, that yeah. would not be the case for me. I really? was getting texts at 11, like, where are you? When are you coming home? What time are you coming home? Why don't you know what time you're coming home? No, you need to be home by this time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I had come home as late as you came home, my dad would have absolutely called the cops. They would already be here. There'd be a missing persons report out. We had, like, as a family, we had a memorable experience like that when I was 18 Mm -hmm. and failed to text within um, a certain allotted time. And when I, like, got my phone, because my phone, shockingly, I'm like, I'm I'm sure you'll be so surprised, but my phone died. Mm -hmm. And so when I got back into a place where I could, like, plug it in and get power, there were, like, eight messages waiting for me, um, each one getting, like, worse and worse and worse. But no cops were called, no missing person reports filed. So all's well that ends well. Yeah, that's a relief. It was also like the most Alaskan New Year's Eve. Like I went to an escape room and there was an ice carousel and, you know, I was wearing 5,000 layers and I had a good time. How have your holidays been? They've been good. I got back from North Carolina um, last Thursday. It's been nonstop since then. I went to... A film screening with a friend like Netflix is like for your consideration campaign like for the Oscars oh yeah because you're part of CSA now because I'm part of CSA and uh, boy was that a movie we saw a uh, white noise and oh boy <laughs> it's now on Netflix so anyone can see it and it is 
pretentious. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> Lindsay hated it, our friend. But you know, you can make up your own opinions. Yeah, I'm sort of laughing at the fact that the last time I went to a film screening with you, it was also kind of a pretentious movie that was not oh, good. Yeah. That was a strange one we went to. But that yeah. was cool because Richard Gere was there. That is true. Yeah. This is this was also like three years ago. Yeah. Four years ago at this point. So I, I think, think it I'm... was pre-pandemic. Yeah. And then Saturday was New Year's Eve. And so I had friends over here and we went to dinner and that was fun. Um, and stayed there till like 1 a.m. And I, I was like getting in bed at 2.30, which for me is incredibly late. Um, but it was a fun night. And then last couple of days, last two days have just been really relaxing, which has been good. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a really nice week. Oh, good. So should we get into this movie? Yeah. Um, so first things first, this is a Christmas movie. This is a Christmas movie. Yeah, I completely forgot that. Yeah, me too. I mean... If Die Hard is a Christmas movie, this is just as much a Christmas movie. Um, yeah. It takes place right right before Christmas, like leading up to, to New Year's. They're talking about all their plans. They have the trees out and all the cute decorations. And even after the, the house has been destroyed, I like how the kids still drew like little Christmas trees on the, the plywood front door. I know. This movie felt so real in like, really good ways like all of the family scenes felt wonderfully chaotic like it really felt you really got the impression of like what it's like to be in a house with three kids and like oh totally you know a cat and family members coming and going and it really did I I mean the family scenes are the best scenes in the movie I think especially because like not only does it humanize Murtaugh's character but it lets him be like a dorky dad around his kids which is so funny and sweet and like make bad jokes and annoy them, which is so cute. And I also liked, like you're saying, it felt very real in that like, like at one point, uh, three little kids run out to greet him, but only two belong to him, which is like a thing that would happen in houses with lots of kids. Um, yeah. I've never seen in a movie before where it's like, oh, those are just like the the neighbor's kids or whatever. Because I guess people think it might be confusing or no one thinks to add in details like that, but it just felt very real. Yeah, and to be honest, I couldn't pick out because it was so early in the movie, I couldn't pick out his daughter. No, but no, you know, yeah. he did. Yeah. And that was all we needed. Exactly. Well, he better have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's also yeah, kind of exactly. nice. Exactly. It's the script trusted us to figure it out that not all the kids are his kids. Yeah, it's also kind of nice because I feel like I mean, we talk about the trope of bad dad a lot. Mm-hmm. But this is a really good dad. Yeah. And it just really adds to his character and makes you like him even more oh for sure he's a good dad he seems to have a sweet relationship with his wife even though you know he teases her cooking is terrible and she gets annoyed that he's like hanging with his friend instead of taking out the trash they have like a very cute dynamic Mm -hmm. so yeah it makes him so likable yeah I mean suffice to say I think we both loved this movie upon rewatching. right yeah general overview absolutely I felt um I felt softer towards Mel Gibson's character than I did the first time I watched it too. I did too. Yeah. I mean, there are still two like, and you can say like, we can all say like of its time um, phrases that get used, but I did really like Mel Gibson's character a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I think the first time I watched this, I got very fixated on how dangerous he was acting. And I was thinking a lot about like how he was, his death wish was endangering 
Murtaugh and everyone else around them and how like reckless mm-hmm. he was. And this time around, I just feel like I had more compassion for it. Like I felt like, oh, it's because he's so suicidal and like, yes, he is reckless. Yes, he is like risking other people's lives. So that's not okay. But I just, I don't know. I just felt like a little bit softer towards the character this time. Yeah. I was also really taken with, not taken with, but like the acting in the scene where he's about to shoot himself. Yeah. So powerful and so moving. Yeah. That one really touched me too. Yeah. I agree. I just, I liked him a lot more. The thing is that he doesn't want to be putting other people around him in danger. That's not like, he's not malicious. Mm -hmm. It's just that he's in so much like his own state of kind of limbo that he doesn't know how to move through it. Well, and he's reckless and he like doesn't mind being reckless. Mm -hmm. Like in that first scene where I mean, should we should we just sort of go over the plot briefly? Yeah, let's just kind of go through it super fast. Okay. So the basic plot of Lethal Weapon is it's Murtaugh, who is an established homicide detective cop in LA. It's his 50th birthday. He feels old. His kids make him feel old. And on his birthday, he gets assigned a new partner, Riggs, who has recently lost his wife, we find out much later in the film, and is a loose cannon. Like supposedly great with a gun but also has a death wish and people think he's crazy they don't know if he's putting on crazy or if he's really crazy Um, but they have to be partners they get swept up into a homicide case that um, indirectly involves Murtaugh because that involves a Vietnam war buddy of his and his daughter's the dead person and so they get swept up into this whole thing investigating the murder um, shooting out people. Gary Busey's one of the villains. And then essentially it all comes together at the end where Murtaugh and uh, Riggs you know, go from enemies to very best friends um, and you know save the day. Yeah, that's a great recap, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, also importantly, uh, Murtaugh's daughter gets kidnapped at a key moment in the film. And they have to get themselves out of trouble and save her. But they do that. Mm -hmm. This movie, again, it's just, it's so tight. Like, just every single scene, there's, you know, just like the basics of storytelling. But also, I really liked how we've got the juxtaposition of his acquaintance's daughter, who is like a few years older than Ryan. um, Ryan. The one who gets murdered. Ryan, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, And we sort of get to see, like, you see Murtaugh realizing that his daughter is growing up and just kind of like how grateful he is that she's like safe and um, how much, yeah, just the juxtaposition, like the the opposites of the two daughters was really moving and powerful and sad. Yeah, totally. And I think they dodged a big easy pitfall here, I think, with Murtaugh's treatment of his daughters, uh, the way his daughter is growing up you know, he sees her in her New Year's Eve dress and it's like a little bit revealing and you can tell he's made uncomfortable, but he doesn't make her feel uncomfortable, which was really nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and that would have been very easy to do to have him be this dad who's like, you can't wear that, you know, or or like laughs at it. Um, there's another great scene where Ran is clearly like infatuated with Riggs at the dinner table <laughs> um, and the kids kind of tease her about it. And Murtaugh's like looking like 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 his eyes are gonna pop out of his head but he holds himself back which I like just made me respect him as a a, again as a good dad as he's not here to humiliate his daughter um like his own 
his own fears about his own aging and his own masculinity and sort of patriarchal ideas about protecting his daughter are not overwhelming the need in him to just be a decent person and a good dad um, who wants to respect his daughter too. So I feel like those are both happening in him and you can see them both playing out over his face, but he chooses the better option most of the time. Mm -hmm. There's also a great scene where um, Murtaugh and Riggs are in his boat kind of fixing it. And we learn that Diane can't go on a date with this boy whose details later become important, not because her dad is being like weirdly overprotective, but because, you know, she's grounded. Good dad enforcing boundaries, but not being weird. Yeah, exactly. So it like opens with Murtaugh's birthday and it's just, it also moves so seamlessly from like his birthday celebration to his workplace. Yeah. And everybody's like really just like good naturedly teasing him. Right. About his age. I mean, this movie would make you think 50 was like 70. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I really wish Mel Gibson hadn't turned out to be kind of a scumbag. Like as, as kind a Kind of a scumbag. And by kind of a scumbag, I mean a total, utter, complete scumbag yeah for sure no he's it not just... an untalented actor i mean this film no it's just really hard to like watch this without the you know without my current current knowledge because he's good like we we're talking about he like that scene really moved me and he's like really charming yeah i mean he's an action star for a reason and um, he's a bigot and an anti-semite for other reasons i guess yeah Thankfully, we don't have to dwell too much on that because it hasn't happened yet when this film was made or came out. So we can, you know, carefully place that to the side while still acknowledging that we don't celebrate Mel Gibson anyway as a person. Uh, No. We have to talk about the, I'm going to call it the meat cute for Murtaugh and Riggs because I loved that scene so much. In the police station. Yeah, so we're introduced to Murtaugh with, like, the 50th birthday celebration. We're introduced to Riggs at this cocaine deal going kind of astray. But basically, it just reveals how reckless he is and how willing he is to be reckless. Mm -hmm. And he gets, like, he gets a bunch of people killed. um, And then we cut to the police station and um, Murtaugh is learning about, you know, the details of what will become the plot of the movie about um, his friend's daughter his friend's daughter's death they're talking back and forth and he just sees this guy who looks kind of scruffy and he's not in a police uniform he's not even in like a a suit walk into the police office he looks like a criminal he looks like someone's brought him in yep and he's sitting on this desk and murtaugh is just kind of watching him out of the corner of his eye while he's having this conversation with another detective who is like providing some of the facts um and then mel gibson pulls out his gun to like clean it or whatever and murtaugh following you know um, protocol screams gun and tackles rigs yeah and then somebody goes oh hey that's your new partner <laughs> and then Murtaugh says the the famous line which is i'm too old for this shit it's a great line and he repeats it two more times in the film it's so good yeah it was just such a great scene it was like so satisfying and pretty much every scene in this movie is very satisfying yeah i mean to go back a little bit to the way we meet both these characters I did think it was weird that his whole family walked in on him naked in the tub. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> like it it was made less weird because no one else was treating it as strange. But Rayanne, like like sitting with and kissing her dad in the tub when he's naked really made me feel uncomfortable. Like that that's mm-hmm. really gross and weird. 
Yeah, she also kisses him full on in the lips. Oh, that was weird. That is weird. That's not right. No, I agree with you. I, I've sort of forgotten about that part. <laughs> yeah, and then the the Mel Gibson scene, the the drug deal gone bad scene. He has a whole little bit where he's like, "You think I'm crazy?" Like, and he starts hitting himself. Uh, I guess to distract them or something. But it's like he has this uncontrollable rage with those people where he kills, yeah. shoots Murders many of them. them out of rage and anger and then almost kills the last one just out of pure rage. We also get one of my favorite tropes in action movies, which is the blonde, platinum blonde henchman played by Gary Busey. Yes. Kind of the the psychopath who's like in a suit and tie. But for some reason, these people are always like, very platinum blonde and yeah though they're, they're the villain in all these films is platinum blonde yeah or, or, like or, the second henchman you know the first or second henchman i know it's just so funny like yeah but yes he's he's yet another blonde guy in the pantheon of blonde villains um what did you think of gary Busey in this movie i thought he was great yeah you know very creepy weird villain yeah i agree i thought he was pretty creepy did you think he, like, where do you think he compares on our list of villains or henchmen villain? I'm trying to think who are some of the other standouts. We had the guy, well, we had Drive. Mm-hmm. We had the guy in Hannah, mm-hmm. who I think is at the top of my list. Oh, he was guys. the creepiest. Yeah, he was really scary. Um, We had, I mean, there's the platinum blonde villain in Die Hard, which we haven't covered on this podcast, so not sure worth mentioning um we have yeah a couple of others yeah i feel like they're like they find their way into most of these movies mm-hmm. but yeah definitely the guy in hannah was the scariest for me we also have the other trope of the completely ignored internal affairs slash like like police psychiatrist character oh yeah where she's trying to do her job that poor woman i know and it's it was crazy to see the police chief just be like well, are you sure one million percent that he's psychotic? Well, then whatever. We don't care. He's like, I'll let him kill himself and then we'll find out. Like, that's so I know. easy to say. Yeah. And it's also just treated as such a joke. Right. Her concerns are a joke. And like, thankfully, Murtaugh calls her at one point and he's like, what is the deal with this guy? Is he dangerous? And she's like, yes, he's very dangerous. But it's like, they don't have a choice at that point, but to work right. together. Right. That was the other thing I really liked about this movie is that you have a set two characters who are kind of complete opposites. And when even when they are forced to work together, their methods are so completely opposite. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what they believe. Well, and both men by the end of the film end up learning from each other and taking on traits of the other. Yeah. Especially like kind of crystallized in both scenes where Riggs is coaching Murtaugh on the confrontation they're about to have with the villains to get his daughter back. And he explains to him, like, this is what you have to do. You have to go in shooting. Like, you're going to kill a lot of people and you have to be okay with that. And Murtaugh's like, yeah, I get it. And then the other scene at the very end where Murtaugh allows and facilitates and then eggs on Riggs beating up and having like a fist fight with Gary Busey and tells him, kill him, kill him. Like, just kill him. And then Riggs is the one who decides it's not worth it, having learned from Murtaugh, you know, that there are bigger things. And then he'd rather, I think, I my interpretation is that he'd rather, you know, have the opportunity to, like, spend time with Murtaugh and his family and, like, have a life outside of what would likely be policeman jail, maybe. Yeah. The cops go to jail. 
Um, the answer to that is probably no. Although, yeah, probably not. Um, especially in this, you know, day and age. <laughs> not in this. I mean, the movie's day and age. Yeah, maybe you would have had to file some paperwork for murdering <laughs> Busey with a huge audience of cops. Right. I know that was sort of like none of these cops are going to like even try and arrest Gary Busey. Well, because Murtaugh was like, I'm in charge, like, let it keep going, which is just yeah, interesting but- that he had changed so much that he would even like humor this. I mean, it got very personal with his daughter. Yeah, it got very personal with his daughter. And I think he's like at his wit's end in so many ways. He's been tortured. He's been like probably very little sleep. His house has been destroyed. (laughs) And at the end, I mean, Riggs does make the choice to walk away from him. Mm -hmm. To essentially choose life because it probably would have been a fight to the death. But at the very end, they're both using the Riggs method anyway. Well, at the end, you know, Busey pulls his gun and Riggs and Murtaugh, which was nice. This is like, I'm feeling, I felt like it was a nice moment where it's like, oh, these guys are both equally just as good at their jobs, even though they have completely different approaches, but they both at the exact same moment, pull their guns and shoot him. Mm -hmm. They're like kind of cuddled together too. And they do it. Yeah. In perfect slow motion. Mm Mm-hmm. So they end up killing him anyway, but that way they both get to kill him. They both have that satisfaction and um, they both proven that they're just as good of a shot as the other, which was like that whole scene at the gun range. Yeah. Where Riggs shoots a smiley face from however much away. Yeah. On one of the targets that Murtaugh Mm -hmm. was bragging about getting a bullseye on essentially yeah we're getting too old for this shit so we'll be right back with more lethal weapon don't surprise your dad in the bathroom we're back i also really liked how this movie has i think one of the best representations of the world for casting like even all the small roles like there were a couple of scenes where like maybe like five liners which usually would have gone to i'd say like a white man went to a Mm -hmm. woman like for a police officer and it just felt very real there was a little a little moment like late in the film when Gary Busey is walking through the house where you see on the fridge there's a sticker that says end apartheid um, yes oh right and that's South Africa which I noticed now knowing that's the plot of the next film I'm like oh mm-hmm. that's fun I know it's almost like I don't know if they intended for that to happen but it is a nice little easter egg yeah yeah exactly I also, I also really like how the movie it grounds it by tying in these political events without like making it about the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like I know we had that discussion during um, Transporter Three with like the toxic waste, <laughs> um, but that was like the whole where where the whole movie it was about that. And this it was like there were so many different subplots that um, that were basically held up and made sense, and they fed into one another very seamlessly. Like it made sense that Gary Busey would be like could fly an air uh, helicopter or even had his license or like had the means to because he was ex-Vietnam like it made yeah. sense that all of these guys were in you know snipers because they were ex-Vietnam you're right, you're right. and you're it right. made sense that um Riggs like the therapist said was suffering from PTSD because he was in Vietnam and so neither like None of these things were separate. It wasn't just like, we're going to give them a Vietnam backstory for no reason. No, you're right. It really, it informed the characters and informed a lot of the tension in the film because they had all (laughs) been in Vietnam. 
And one of the first things that Murtaugh says to Riggs is the war is over. The war is over. And Riggs goes, I know. He's like, well, just reminding you in case you didn't know. In our line of fire discussion, one of the things I know I had a big criticism of was that like JFK's shooting felt so far in the past. Whereas this, it felt really grounded. And I like I got a sense of the history and why it mattered at this time. Yeah, it's nice to have, like you're saying, I think you nailed it, where it's like really nice to have a political context for what's happening in this film that makes sense um, and doesn't feel like it's tacked on, but just feels like it colors in the the background a little bit. And they do a great job of doing that in the next film with apartheid in South Africa. Um, but we won't skip too far ahead there, but they do a great job of of using the Vietnam War here to connect things and to add like a little bit more dimension. And I feel like in other action movies, you know, it's suddenly like somebody's flying a helicopter and it's sort of like, okay, just why? And it's like, because it looks cool instead of this would make sense given that given the men's resources and skills and abilities, etc. Yeah. Right. Neither of these guys are superheroes. They don't have any skills that aren't like accounted for. And we see that in the torture scene too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both get beat up really bad. What about the the great scene, uh, the two scenes? Um, what did you think of these scenes where Riggs uh, talks down the guy on the ledge by jumping with him, rather? And then the sister scene right afterwards where Murtaugh confronts Riggs about his death wish. What did you think about those moments? I thought those were great. Um, the suicide jumper scene was one of the ones that I actually really remembered although I didn't remember that he jumped down with him and so I was kind of like what are you doing Mm -hmm. but I thought those were paired so nicely yeah and also about the fact that like I mean Riggs and trying to talk the guy down is like fine let's do it let's go for it you know jumps with him whereas Murtaugh says okay do it shoot yourself and then won't let him at the end right and so those are really nice mirrors of each, of each other. Again, I think the script is really fantastic. Yeah, I think the confrontation scene is one of my favorites because you see Riggs enjoying himself, enjoying being this risky with his own life. And by extension, this other guy's life too. Um, and jumping off of the building, right? Like he's having fun. He jumps off and he goes, let's do that again. <laughs> um he's like having a blast and the guy he was handcuffed to is like that guy's crazy like he's scared of him and Murtaugh's reaction is furious which I loved and he grabs him and like shoves him into this random empty store to scream at him um I really enjoyed that I enjoyed like his reaction to it both men's reactions to it to really like shake um Mel Gibson's character Riggs like out of this kind of delusional stupor he's in about his own life and like other people's lives and say yeah. like if you want to die then like let's just get it over with because you're putting everyone else at risk and like this isn't funny like Riggs is ha- Riggs is having a blast but it's not funny to Murtaugh this is his life and he says later you know 20 years in the forest he's never had a scratch on him and now on his 50th birthday he has this guy who's so reckless so dangerous and I just love that he was like, this is the moment where he's going to confront him about that and push him to making some kind of decision of like, either you're going to end your life right now, or like, 
we're going to move forward, but you aren't going to do this shit. And the fact that Riggs does choose, like he's pulling the trigger and Murtaugh stops him is really scary to me too. Yeah. Because it seemed in his earlier scene that he didn't want to die. Right. You know, I mean, it seemed like he wanted somebody to say like, you're not doing this. Yeah, exactly. A cry for help. Yeah. He stops himself from shooting himself the first time. It's in this moment that he he's about to kill himself and Murtaugh has to intervene. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought the girls, when we get to the Beverly Hills house, you know, they they pull up to this fancy house and they see these two girls like messing with the drugs. I thought their outfits looked great. <laughs> they looked so cute. They did have really great outfits. Yeah, I agree. I thought the the scene at the very beginning, I mean, it takes right back to the beginning with the clothes, was so like that lingerie set was wild. Yeah, she looks so crazy. I mean, and she had like one breast perfectly out. <laughs> I know, I know. Covered other places. I was just like, sure, yeah, I had that lingerie set hanging around too. Doesn't everybody? Yeah, it's like a robe and a lingerie set and like the whole thing. The whole thing. It was just And she's just like, a- she's in her drug super, but she's just like so relaxed and like breasts out. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> one breast out. Just one breast out, but lounging so beautifully. I know. But like, like you think she soft. might be like if she because she did swallow like cleaning supplies when in the drugs you'd think she might start like coughing or feeling sick or something but no yeah just having a good time <sighs> and that's how we start the movie <laughs> I remember the last time we watched this movie the scene in the big fancy house with the woman with cute outfits um I remember just being so horrified by that scene the first time we watched it and this so the time, pool scene with the guy the drowning scene. in the pool. Yeah. And this, I don't know. I don't know what that says about me or like the number of action movies I watched to get me to this point, but I was like less horrified this time around. I was still like, that's a terrible way to go. But Oh, the guy drowning? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't horrified. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was mostly funny to me because Murtaugh is trying to teach Riggs about not killing everyone so they have someone to question to find out more about the case and they end up killing him regardless yeah. by accident essentially so I thought it was funny um, but this is the moment when Riggs saves Murtaugh's life yes and so thus begins the the friendship and then Murtaugh invites him over for dinner just so cute mm-hmm I also love that the fact that their their cat's name is Burbank. Yeah. I think that's so funny. Yeah, very cute. Who sent Murtaugh the yearbook and the, the Girls Gone Wild tape? Evidence did. Oh. Or, yeah, I think it was Evidence. I was going to say it might have been her, his, uh, her dad, the girl's dad. But Why would the dad want that video out there? I don't know. I, I think it was the police department. That would make more sense. In the escape room we did, um, my friends and I did here for New Year's Eve, uh, there were, it was like all these, and I, I haven't done an escape room in a very long time. And once you do one, or if you do them like sort of consistently, you know that there's, there, it's all puzzles and you have to kind of use one puzzle to unlock and unlock another. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a way you have to think about it basically, but my brain was not in logic mode. And they had this one puzzle where it was like triangles and numbers. Mm-hmm. And I was just sort of like, oh no. <laughs> What am I going to do? Oh, no. Um, and we we got it, but it relied on a lot of hints from our 
um, from like the the employee who was in the room with us being like, boy, that looks like the Pythagorean theorem. I'm sorry, that looks like the this theorem. No, what happens if you add these two numbers together and subtract this one? <laughs> Who's supposed to remember any theorems? That's crazy. Uh, I know. It's just all logic things. And I was like, my brain does not quite work like that. Not logic things I can get, but memorization with math stuff, I can't. Yeah. Well, this was just just all like logic stuff. So you'd oh. be great. You would be great in an escape room. <laughs> I think the anxiety of the ticking clock would like really upset me though. We just wouldn't tell you that the clock was ticking. We'd say, look, Rebecca, isn't this fun? A room with lots of time to solve things. But isn't there like a, like, like in my imagination, there's like a noise of like click, 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 like as the seconds go, you know? Yeah. Like they also sirens send it going your... off. Like that would scare me. They send it to your Apple watch. And so you can just feel every second, second ticking away. Ah! I'm yeah. kidding, of course. I would hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do an escape room with you one time, though. That'll be fun. Yeah. We'll find one with a good story. Yeah, not. I don't want to do a World War II. I did one that was a Jekyll and, <laughs> Do- Do- Jekyll and Dr. Hyde that was really fun. If Mel Gibson did the World War II <laughs> escape room, he'd be, he'd be working against everyone and working for Mel- the Nazis. Mel Gibson would be like, this is amazing. Wow, like, I really love the artwork in here. I really like the vibe of this Nazi bunker room. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what he'd be doing? Okay, he'd, he'd be saying that like, you guys got some of this right, but like, this is not actually technically correct. Oh, right. <laughs> like Hitler would have preferred this. <laughs> right, right. The Nazis would have painted this symbol here. Right. You got the swastikas a little bit wrong. Let me show you how to fix it. <laughs> oh, God wait let me check my tattoo right yeah exactly <laughs> let me call a friend <laughs> yeah no we don't have to do a world war ii one no <laughs> i'll do something else they also in new york they had a subway one and i ew, point sort ew, of like ew, exactly ew, 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 no ew. one wants to get trapped in a subway never oh that's disgusting <laughs> it was i was like nope veto oh. um what a this horrible a, nightmare. Yeah. And I have been trapped in a subway. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. That's a terrible nightmare. Oh my God. That's like the worst idea for an escape room ever. Or like another bad one would be like a broken elevator. Mm, no, thank you. Also a great fear. Mm-hmm. Terrible. But subway is the worst I've ever heard of. Or you know, it would be fun would be plain, but that'd be scary, but fun. Yeah. Or like tunnel, but well, still subway. I was to say like no, underwater tunnel. That's terrible. Mm-mm. I did one that was like a haunted mansion with like a little ghost girl. And that was really fun because there was like, no, it was fun because there were like secret passageways and fireplaces you had to crawl through. It was really oh, great. Was the ghost girl scary? Not really. No. Was it like the ones we saw when we did that, that house though? Because I did not like that. There was nobody in, in there. It was just like. A little haunted recording. Oh, okay. I was just just gonna say it's interesting to note how certain scripts and directors handle scenes with children, mm-hmm. in particular, and families. Because I've seen I can't really think of a movie that does this badly, although I'm sure they're out there. Um, but my family and I just watched Little Women by the Greta Gerwig version for the first time. But yeah, so we watched Little Women and then this movie, and both of those, both of these 
have scenes with children with families that feel so real and I know I mentioned it earlier but it's just really nice to see because it really makes you feel like you're there like there's this really fine tuning of both chaos and noise and like movement with children and again in families that I think is really hard to capture properly chaos basically but it's really fun and it can either make a movie feel more authentic or can make it feel very like fall very flat yeah I agree I think it's done well here like another major beat in Riggs's sort of evolution is how he starts wearing a bulletproof vest Mm -hmm. which he was not wearing before no he was not um, and the the sort of drive-by shooting that Gary Busey does uh, doesn't take him out and ends up being like what they use to their advantage later on. Yeah, so I feel like his connection, like I wrote, like his connection to Murtaugh and family is making him finally reconsider killing himself. Yeah, because he finds a family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the scene where Riggs sort of coaches Murtaugh on, um, on just killing in order to get his daughter back, I thought was really beautifully lit because it's only lit by the Christmas tree. Yeah. So it's like you're in this dark house and you just have the, this red light on their faces from the tree. Well, it's not really from the tree, but they want you to think it's from the tree. It's so pretty and it's so intense. I feel like it's like the shift for Murtaugh's character where he's like, this has just gotten so personal. It is, absolutely. And Riggs basically starts off the scene by saying, we're going to have to get bloody. Mm-hmm. I know the scene where they discover just before that where they walk in and discover ryan ryan's ransom note was so like really moving and really sad yeah really scary yeah and where trish comes out and they like almost shoot her and the kids and where you can tell she already knows something has gone terribly wrong right i also thought it was another thing about the scripted movie that i really liked is that in the scene where ryan is is pleading with her father to let her go on the date with this boy you know, he's he's like, oh, well, who is it? And she's like, oh, he's blonde and he's got, you know, he's got dimples. And he's like, oh, you mean pits, you know, dimples. And they go back and it's a very cute father-daughter exchange. But that's how he learns that his daughter is basically in trouble because yeah. he, and, he and Riggs are sitting in the cop car and this call comes in like, you know, there's we found a body. And she's like, I don't have time for this. And he's like, oh, the radio's like, it's two blocks from your house. It's this young blonde boy with um, dimples and he's like oh no you know yeah but he guesses it yeah he guesses it in a joke like oh i bet it's that kid yeah um so that's how he knows his daughter is in danger so scary i mean we talked about this the first round watching this but it's a very scary scene when um murtaugh's been tortured and they're they bring in rayanne um to torture or rape her and it's really like so scary and the stakes feel so high and then of course like Riggs bursts in at just the right moment to save the day um but they did a great job at making that feel like very treacherous yeah I mean it was basically three lines which is where they say like oh you're you've got a beautiful young daughter there Mm -hmm. and then they bring her like tied up and yeah it was really really scary yeah, very scary, but thank thank God nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> Another good choice for the movie. Yeah, and then we have a great scene just like running and shooting through the streets of LA and Madman Riggs now with his shirt undone and fully unleashed. Yeah, just shooting this machine gun into the streets through traffic. Yeah, Riggs goes to take down Gary Busey and... Oh, I had a question. So the big bad villain is Gen- General McAllister. 
do we think this is any relation to Kevin McAllister? <laughs> there is like a fun Home Alone-esque moment though when Gary Busey's in the empty house and there's a note on the Christmas tree that says like, dear bad guys, nobody's here but us cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I loved. And that's when the car comes crashing through the living room and they get the jump on Gary Busey. Uh, but that felt very Home Alone to me. Oh yeah, like a bad guy creeping around this empty house at Christmas. Totally, that's like a little bit booby-trapped. Mm-hmm. But they're best friends now. They kill Busey together. And then, you know, Riggs gets invited over for Christmas dinner, which is so cute. I know. And he opens, well, he he declines to go to Christmas dinner. You know, he's got a present for Murtaugh, which is basically the bullet saying, I'm not going to kill myself, I don't need it anymore. And Ryan invites him in and he's like no I'm good and then he you know goes to walk down the path and Murtaugh comes running after him and basically says you have to come to dinner with us yeah it was very sweet and let's his dog come too yeah yeah and the movie ends over um like a dog barking and cat screaming (laughs) and children screaming and uh and Murtaugh repeating you know I'm too old for this it's cute this is a Christmas movie. I'm mad that it's not acknowledged as much as Die Hard. Yeah, I agree. It's it's fully a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Any other lingering thoughts about this film? Anything we didn't cover? No, I just really liked it. Yeah. I really liked seeing it. I liked seeing men's friendship. Yeah. I like seeing a happy family life. Me too. This is one of my favorite movies in terms of seeing two men bond and learn from each other. Yeah um yeah their friendship is so great and I love it I love this movie so how many trash can fires out of five trash can fires some of which you saw for real in Alaska um (laughs) (laughs) I do uh, would you give this film um out of five Alaskan burn barrels on the ice carousel on New Year's Eve I would give this five out of five obviously what about you? This one lands at a four for me, which is still very strong. I still loved mm-hmm. it, but a little bit of room to grow. I think that's great. I just, yeah, like I said earlier, I was just really impressed with the script and that scene with Mel Gibson. I mean, everybody's really good in it. So that brings us to the end of Lethal Weapon. We love this movie. Hope you do too. Next week, we'll be watching Ambulance. Um, so check it out. We'll be spoiling it either way. In the meantime, um, please check us out on Instagram. If you have movie recommendations or compliments, you can send those to ladiesgetaction at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy to do. Um, and we'd really appreciate it. Rin, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Rin Olson. That's R-I-N-O-L-S-S-O-N. Or if you're interested in copywriting stuff, I'm at Renaissance Media. Rebecca, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Rebecca Ringley Casting. Until next time, get get some some action. action.